You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 398, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Where do you go with your broken heart and soul? And what do you do with the left over you? And how do you know when to let go? Where does the good go? Where does the good go? Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 398. My name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me, the returning Connor Kilpatrick. I'm back, baby. Don't ever do that. Joshua Flanagan. He's back, baby. All right. (laughs) At iFanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics and every week we read a bunch of comics and one of us picks the best book and writes about it on the website and then we talk about it on this here podcast along with various other topics of interest. Before we get to the show, quick reminder slash warning, this is a review show. And we'll be talking about some of the things that went on in these books. And we're going to ruin them for you. And we're going to just put your face right in there. Shove it right in. Just shove it right in there. And you this like is that? what's happening. You like those spoilers? You like it? You, t- you eat those spoilers? It's a, it's a spoiler swirly we're going to do to you. Uh, this week, Joshua had the pick. A plot point wedgie. So we're going to talk about Trillium, right? Uh, you wish, masses. <laughs> you wish. My pick of the week was Quantum and Woody number two out of the good folks at Valiant Comics who have sponsored entertainment actually yeah you know what they've sponsored some of this show Uh, that had nothing to do with this there it is you don't believe me fine so there's been lots and lots of Valiant books there's been lots of chatter about them there's been lots of talent on them and uh, none have become the pick of the week yet I think and there there are certain among you who, who, who think that's odd because you've really been enjoying these books. Um, and I've read some of them, but I, 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 most of them haven't grabbed me. I'll, I'll be honest about that. They're, they're fine books, but uh, you know, I didn't know much. I don't know anything about Quantum and Woody, honestly. I, don't, I never read the thing that came before it. But what grabbed me uh, when I saw that this book was coming out was that Tom Fowler, who is uh, a favorite artist of mine, uh, is going to be the, the uh, regular artist on this book. And that, that's something I was really excited to see. And, Sold. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's an automatic buy. Uh, and James Asmus uh, was writing it. Now, he, I was never terribly impressed with. You know, I, I'd read some of the stuff he'd done. I, I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And, and I got to say that he came on and he, and he really stepped up to do what is uh, kind of a fun, wacky book. Uh, and it's, which, which really, it really fits in. I think him and Tom are working really well together to create a slightly different kind of comic book than we're seeing, but still with, you know, the, the sort of all the mainstream stuff about it. Um, but the story here is basically that there's all these sort of uh, expectation reversals going on. Where you've got these two brothers. One of them is adopted. One is white. One is black. The white one was adopted into the black family, and he is the black sheep. You can see how we're going with this already. And there's all sorts of little subtle ways to sort of play with your expectations and 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 you know the ideas that you have about race and stereotypes and things like that. And it's fairly lighthearted, so they can get away with it. Anyway, the the the, the story is that the dad is this super duper scientist. And the brothers kind of hate each other in the way that brothers do. Um, and the dad dies, and they both get caught up in this huge, uh, ever-expanding wackiness where they end up uh, in, like, a science explosion and get powers, and they don't know what's going on. And as this issue starts, you know, they're surrounded by the police. They're both naked for most of the issue. So just on in terms of the mechanics of, of having to cover up their goodies, uh, the, the art team did a fine job uh, of making sure we couldn't see their junk. But as it goes on, like, they're just constantly fighting with each other. And there's little flashbacks that go back to sort of their childhood that make them who they are. And, and you just, I mean, you know that they're in superhero costumes on the front. Uh, but so they've got, they've got to build all that stuff. And then we get to the end bit, and, and we've got this, these, they're the, I guess they're sort of villains. There's Johnny 1 and Johnny 2. Uh, one of them is sort of a, a Danny DeVito-esque smaller version of the other. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just very odd villains, and from there, like it just keeps getting stranger. Um, and as I was reading it, I just I was having I was having fun with it. I, I love the way it looked. I love the acting of the characters. I like the slightly hyper reality, and I like how it kept escalating. It's really possible and easy that somewhere along the line you you get tired of them arguing. I guess, and I kept thinking I was going to get there, but I kind I kind of didn't because. The plot just keeps moving around along at this at this sort of really fast pace, and it's it's a very different book. 
it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. I don't know. It's just it's madcap and fun, and it's refreshing in that way. And you know, some publishers these days looking for for dark and gritty at every turn. And uh, I like that Valiant is going for a nice range of of tones. I agree. They have some serious stuff. They have some high concept science fiction stuff, and they've got this weird thing. And I think Tom Fowler's a perfect fit for this book. I mean, the, the storytelling is absolutely amazing. And that's that's really where he he excels. You know, like that's his like storytelling. He's really good at, but he does stuff that you could almost consider cartoony. But it, it's and I said it, it's it's a lot of people would say it's cartoony, but that's not it exactly. Like it's kind of a rubbery reality. Everything it's is heightened. Pinned, yeah, everything is pinned down, but it's a little just bent and a little different. And I I think this is great for him. You want it, you th- that guy needs to be on a book that has a sense of humor and is a, a little bit edgy. This is actually genuinely edgy. I think. Guess what? Connor's gone, and I'm going to dial him in now. <laughs> so when he comes back, he is going to sound completely different. But this is what you have to do when there's a truck that is messing up your wires. Okay, so we lost Connor, and we brought Connor back now on the phone. This is how it has to be done right now. This is where patching Hi, things everyone. together. Yeah. So, so good news. If you couldn't tell which one Connor was before, now he's the one who sounds like shit. <laughs> okay, we're forging First on with the problems. show. problems. We're good. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. So the book is—it's uh, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's—it's it's sort of wacky with these two brothers pounding each other with giant hammers, and now they have—they uh, have uh, powers that we don't quite understand yet, and they don't quite understand yet. So it's like a—it's like a classic origin story. And uh, I like that. I like that one is is big on the costume in terms of having a mask that covers his whole face, and then the other one is. Kind of like I want everybody to know that I'm a superhero. He's dressed like I'm... Robert Downey Jr. in the '80s. Yeah. Well, I just well, I imagine him as Woody Harrelson because his name is Woody. Okay. And I just I just I hear Woody Harrelson in my head when I read the balloons. And... In my mind, everyone is dressed like Robert Downey Jr. in the '80s. Yeah. Just in in, in weird science. How you doing? How you doing? Anyway, um, that's very specific. Is what that was. And uh, I read you know I read a lot of books this week, and it was kind of a it was like a four star week, and I had to I actually had to think about it, but. I always want to land on the side of something sort of that, that's new uh, and good. And it just felt a little different. It felt a little more fresh, I suppose, than, than a bunch of the stuff that I was reading. And um, I, I continually find myself gravitating towards stuff that has, that has a lighter edge. But at the same time, like, there was, there was definitely, like, a social commentary going on. So I appreciate that. Like, it was fun and it was funny. And, but there was also a little bit of substance there in the middle of it. And it's funny because I'm, I'm curious – like I never read Quantum and Woody, and I don't know what the other one was like, and I kind of don't want to because, uh, you know, mess up sort of what I'm reading now. But uh, it, it's a it's a good book. One of the things I really like about what Valiant is doing is that they're bringing in solid talent across the board. They're not necessarily bringing in people who are superstars, but it's a it's a like a, it's good creators doing lots of different kinds of stories, and and the sort of it's almost the promise of what they said the New Fifty Two was going to be. The- there are people that are superstars right now that maybe like they shouldn't be superstars. So I, I'm more interested in the great storytellers and yeah. what they can do. So this is preferable. Yeah. I like that there's this impending thing of the goat is coming. I know that the goat is imminent. And it's like, it's like Emperor Palpatine or something. There's a goat coming soon. There's, there's some there's goatness. Like um, a billy goat? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And literally now, Connor, you know as much as we do about the goat. But they really, they really playing up this goat thing. Tom Fowler was talking on Twitter about there being like a goat POV shot coming up soon. So yeah. I'm excited about that. And I'm wondering if the oh, you, eye shape of the goat has anything to do with it. Go ahead. You read a bunch of these value books. Is this one of your favorite ones? This would be one of my favorite ones, yeah. Because it's, cause it's just it's fun. And there's not enough of this around. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a watch. It, there's, there's something for everybody at Valiant Comics. They didn't, they didn't pay for that. They did not pay for I that. Just, that it just... sounds like they did. Thank God they didn't sponsor this week's episode. This would just be... I don't even want to talk about it. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's move along. Uh, and hopefully we have no further technical difficulties. I've been shot. Oh, I've been shot. <laughs> Is that a technical or a medical difficulty? I don't know. I call, um, it, I call it a Herzog. <laughs> so the people's pick was Trillium number 1 from uh, DC Comics Vertigo, Jeff Lemire's new... Uh, Writer, artist, book. Is, is this a miniseries? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He's not gonna. Yeah, he no. He's not gonna do it after uh, after Sweet Tooth. He was in no position to do another ongoing that he writes and draws. Right. So th- this was interesting. I really liked the device of it 
more than I did the story. The story wasn't bad. The story was interesting, but I actually really liked the device. And the device was that it's a flip book. And if you read from one side, uh, like, for instance, I read the sci-fi side first, just purely by chance. Um, you follow this woman in the future who is looking for this uh, flower that will help create this antidote to this virus that's spreading throughout the universe and killing humans no matter where they hide. And you follow her adventures, and she ends up in this, what looks like an Incan temple on an alien world after doing some alien peyote and uh, opens the door and is confronted with the man with the machete. And you flip it over, and then you follow the man with the machete as he gets to that point. I really, I really did like that a lot. I've got to tell you what I did wrong. What did you What's do that? wrong? I read this digitally, and I got to the end of chapter one, and I stopped reading. <laughs> because it looks like the end of the issue. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Huh. Okay. Doing half of it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the case. Because I just started looking through it, and I'm like, I've never seen any of these pages. Did I actually read this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you missed the World War One side. Yeah. Where the British explorers go looking for the, this magical temple that will bestow riches and the control over life and death. And he didn't just stand there as a woman walks out the door. And uh, I, I love the device. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really cool device, and I think I, I, I want to know more about these characters, and I don't think I, I know yet. And, and so in a way, the device helps, but then it also, I think, having to split up the issue into two, you don't get as much story as you would have, like from one perspective, right. because you're, you're, you're dividing it two perspectives. I would want this to be the entire series. I like it as an introduction, like a little fun way to introduce it. My thing is, how are they going to collect this? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it'll, be, it'll be like Josh had on the digital, and you just be back to back. How was it set up physically? It's it's a flip book, yeah. so you you read the one story on the one side, and then like those oh, um, they, okay. they've done it for Free Comic Book Day a lot. I, I mean, got it. Flip yeah. it over, yeah. Huh. Um, so it, so if you if you read it like a regular issue, you would get to a point where suddenly the pages are upside down. Right. Um, just explaining it for yeah. anyone who didn't huh. see the issue. Right. Interesting. It, just in addition to that device and that, you know, if, if you want to call it a gimmick or if you want to call it a, a technique, I, I think the the watercolor work here is really beautiful. It's, yeah, exactly it's, beautiful what, what I, it's exactly what I was going to say. This this style uh, really makes Lemire's work come alive. And I think that you're seeing a, a, a cleaner, I, I don't want to say a more mainstream style from him, but it's definitely a little more palatable, I think, to people who are not huge fans of his already, if that makes sense. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's really colorful. It's, um, it's, satur- it's really saturated yeah. for watercolor. It's really vibrant. Um, and this is, I think Jeff Lemire worked on the color with uh, Jose uh, Villarubia. And so um, I don't know how the breakdown worked exactly, but it's, um, it's a really nice look for a Lemire book. And actually, now that I'm looking at it, the two sides are colored differently. Yes. Yeah, um, they are. The uh, World War II style is more normal. World War I style is more normal comic style. This is the sci-fi one is more watercolory. That, yeah. the, the the war side, it looks a lot like uh, it. It reminds me of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, there's a, there's a flavor of O'Neill in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that part looks interesting. I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I liked it. I didn't I didn't super love it, but I did. I found it very intriguing and it's interesting, and we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I don't want this to be the style for the entire book. Well, I guess it could, maybe it could work. I don't know, but it, yeah, it might work. Well, now that they've met, then they have their adventure yeah, together. So, yeah, yeah. yeah might be cool for bookends. Well, I don't. I don't know how this. I don't know how this. The star-crossed love story ends. So I don't. I don't want to say like they part ways and then, you know. So that could be a sad ending. But we saw the. Uh, last issue of uh, Planet of the Apes Cataclysm, so it's number 12, and this marks the end of not just, uh, was there two series before this, or just one? There's two, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Exile on the Planet of the Apes. And yeah, then, two. Betrayal and, then, and Exile. Right. And that's uh, this is from Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco, and uh, they really, in a way that you don't see a lot, really got to stretch their legs and run with this very established property in a way that fits in very well with, uh, you know, with how this property works. And I thought it was largely successful, but I don't think that like it's it. There weren't a ton of of like sort of pick of the week books. It didn't really work like that. It worked as a, a, a sort of a whole rather than a. An, it was relatively subtle. I think actually Gabe was talking about it on Twitter the other day, and he wrote, you know, I want to thank everybody for letting letting us produce this downer of a book. And I was like, that's what it was. It was a huge downer. Uh, 
This is the story of political intrigue, and and I mean, we talked about uh, Queen and Country that way. That it's it, it's not a it's not a book that has like these amazing single issue bursts. It's, yeah. It's uh, there's a little bit of a slow burn aspect to it, and it's and this longer saga of of political intrigue and and um, religious fanaticism um, and atomic paranoia. Um, it, and you got nailed at the end with with some hard tying into Planet of the Apes movies. I yes. mean, like the the book ends with the start of the first movie, and the uh, I mean, they're literally talking about Taylor. They're talking about Charlton Heston. You know, he's arrived. Yeah, this this brings you this this issue brings you up to the beginning of the third Apes film, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Which is, the, I only own two. I own the I own the the first one, and then I don't know the order of them. But the the Escape from the Planet that's the one where they they these apes arrive in our world, right? Yeah, that's where yeah they they go back in time and they're in like seventy. I, I saw that I saw that trailer. Yeah, like at the end of I don't know I saw it somewhere. I guess it was at the end of the original Apes, and I was like, I need to see that movie. Because yeah, it's because it's great because it's it's these astronauts. It's this great opening because these astronauts come out of the ocean and they take off their helmets and they have ape faces. Yeah, um, and it tells you the story of Doctor Milo is sort of like is sort of the secret hero of the whole franchise, and he's just like a bit part in that Escape from the Planet of the Apes movie played by uh, Sal Mineo, mm-hmm. who is a tragic story in his own right. But but I thought this was this was great as a, as a big fan of the movies. This fills in a really intriguing gap in the film series story because suddenly apes have the ability to to, to space travel, and it it kind of doesn't make sense. But the way they explained it, it's it makes perfect sense, and it's also all told from the point of view from uh, Dr. Milo, and um, it's a great character study. I liked it a lot. What he did, what they did here was similar to what Brian Wood is doing on his Star Wars book, which is yeah. very different than what they're doing on their Star Wars book. True. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the sort of size of it. I like that it's been sort of a constant in our lives for a while. And I remember when they first said, you know, we're doing Planet of the Apes book, and they were super excited about it. Uh, and I think they delivered on exactly sort of what we had in mind. It kept it consistent, both art and story-wise. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Probably the runner-up, the thing that was going to be pick of the week had I finished Trillium? No, I don't, I don't think that would have changed things. Um, I can see the emails already. It was Superior Foes of Spider-Man number two. I really liked the first issue, and I think that the second issue was even better. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, we're focusing... It's funny, Spider-Man's in the title, and it, it's just the biggest swindle ever. Spider-Man's got... No, it's just the foes of Spider-Man. I know, but come on. And you start out at the beginning, and there's the Punisher. It's like, it's all a big sort of ruse. Uh, I like that. And... Someone's yelling, Spider-Man isn't in his own book anymore. <laughs> it's true. It's true. There's de- you can't get Spider-Man anywhere. Right. But basically, this is like the nitty-gritty of being a, a C-list criminal in the Marvel Universe. And it's fun, and it's funny, and it's stupid in the good way. Like they it, just... it, it, It's kind of dumb, yeah, but it's, it's fun. And they're, trying to, they're still trying to do that Hawkeye thing. Yeah. But the, I think they... they reined it in a little bit and i think that's helpful i think that's that steve lieber uh is an excellent choice for it because he yes. he's not going to do all the all the f- fancy tricks and stuff but he can still he can hit a comedy beat really well um mm-hmm. and he can and he can draw them in such a way that you know it's it's sort of a lighter style it's not going to look like a dark and gritty book quote unquote i love I, that they have meetings yeah and they don't want to like have the, meetings yeah it's like a basement meeting and, and like there's one guy's like let's just get through this and then we can move on to other things, and we're, we got to vote. And like they lift their masks up a little bit so they can drink or whatever. And yeah. um, I, I, meetings I, are the same no matter where you are, what company you work for, <laughs> what criminal organization it is. It's one universal truth. No one wants to be in the meeting. I I gotta tell you, the thing that I like best about this book is the copious use of the silent panel. Yeah, it's those panels where you just you're watching time pass. It's a thing that you really shouldn't overuse very much because it can get it can get stupid. But uh, there's just like facial re- silent facial reaction panels all over the place. I love that kind of character acting. I think it's really cool. It's a, it's a fun book. I like that there's you know one female villain in the mix, and you know there's there's some of the villains are, are hitting on her. And is she the new Beetle? Is that the? Yeah. I can't think of that. Okay. And yeah, and then uh, and and Shocker. Uh, who they just call Hermie or Herman, just a huge coward. I love that it's you know the second issue, and I I, under, I fully understand like the the team dynamics here, and I and I kind of love that joke that there's they want to be the Sinister Six, um, but there's only five of them. 
<laughs> and they're, they're, they're keeping that, that extra one as like a mystery. So it could be anybody. It's like Schrodinger's cat or something. It's, it's great. <laughs> You know, and it's good. Like, you don't need to have read anything else, but if you have, you know, if you've read Thunderbolts or whatever, all this is, there's going to be a little little uh, stuff, uh, continuity going through there. I like that little cartoon scene. That's definitely a, a, a Hawkeye influence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was, it was a good book. I think you should check it out. If you want to start your own supervillain team and have your own meetings, you're going to need a whiteboard and some of those markers that you can erase. So you're going to head on over to ifanboy.com slash Amazon where you can buy some of that stuff in bulk. Uh, you're going to need a lot of those. Those markers are going to get lost. Do you want a lot of paper to print out the reports? Yeah. Laminate them? Laminate them? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're going to need a label maker? Label maker? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're going to need that little tape that goes in that label maker? I was the weird kid who was always excited about back-to-school shopping. I don't... I like the stationery because I always guess, wanted to be a writer. I'm going to guess that all of us are right there with you. Yeah. Like big on, yeah. on getting the folders and the notebooks, and I'm going to write my novel in here. Connor, I've seen you make stationary purchases. Don't tell me that you don't like to be prepared with all the goods that you need for that kind of thing. Oh, I like stationary purchases. I don't know if I liked them when I was 10, hmm. but much older than that, I, I enjoyed them. Came around to them. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. You can still relate. I matured into stationary, is what I like to say. I, I tell people that all the time, really. Stationary. When I meet them, is that I'm someone who matures into stationary. Yeah. People aren't going to know what that even is. No. No. What's the deal with the bunker? The bunker is uh, one of those digital... Is about Archie Bunker? No. Stifle it, would you? Sorry. Was that a... Oh, okay. Um, all right, so this is by Joshua <laughs> Hale Fialkow. That's never happened. Uh, and uh, artist uh, Joe uh, Infernari. And uh, it's, it's in that widescreen format that we like on the private eye. Um, so you can get it as a PDF or all those other different um, comic book file formats. You can also buy it on Comixology. Um, but if you look up the bunker, um, it is a, it is, uh, actually it is www.whatisthebunker.com. Um, and they're going to try to release it monthly. And it is a gorgeous looking book. And the style, if you're not familiar with Infernari, is a lot like um, Gabriel Hardman crossed with Carl Kerschel. Uh, maybe a little bit more Carl Kerschel on the black and white. And it's a, just a nice black and white gray wash kind of look. And it's a story about um, a bunch of uh, a bunch of young people um, in Angeles Angeles National Forest um, now shoveling into the earth because they found something, and it's like a Lost style, like the hatch at the end of season one of Lost. Spoilers, sorry. Um, and they go into this hatch because it has their names on it, and they go inside and they find all of this evidence, like these file after file, and also a couple of personal notes for each of them. Um, telling them that the future is going to be horrible. It's going to be this awful wasteland, and we see visuals of that. Um, it, it has to do with, like, super viruses, and it's all because of this group of kids. Um, and one of them ends up being the president, and he gets assassinated. And we know, but they don't know, that the person who assassinated him is, I think, if I understand the story correctly, his lover, who turns out to be the more immature kid, in this group, but eventually I guess they become, or he falls in love with this guy and ends up having to kill him because he understands that they're all responsible for what's, what's happened. And he somehow creates the system where he can send back stuff into the past. And uh, they've said that it's more about destiny than it is about like time travel back and forth. So it's, what do you do with this information that you, you've royally screwed up tomorrow um, and it, all through like altruism because one of the, one of the kids creates like this um, vaccine, but then because of like the way escalation works with vaccines and, and viruses, he creates this super virus and, and that takes out a lot of the population. So they're not just like super villains, but just specific choices that they've made in their career path all leads to this this cataclysm and it's just a really cool book and and um i'm excited that they're they're using that private eye model that bkv and marcus martin are using and it's uh it's a good two bucks that's uh that's well worth it then yeah next up uh i don't uh you're gonna talk again more here now because it's avengers ai number two and and i have a natural aversion to avengers plus whatever it is they're sticking on there usually so (laughs) if i'm 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 ready for you to convince me 
Okay, this is fun. This is if you if you kind of miss the the runaway stuff and that that you know lighthearted Marvel adventure fair. This is that. You've got Andre Araujo doing these great organic-looking robots. This issue in particular had a really cool giant Kilgore Sentinel that looks a lot like the giant mechs from Neon Genesis Evangelion, which I, I guess I mentioned a bunch. Um, but it's it's just sort of like this wild, feral-looking robot instead of a big lumbering thing. And uh, it's just great storytelling. Um, it's fun. It's even got a kid from The Runaways in there, that Victor guy who's technically the son of Ultron, hanging out with Hank Pym. And I think they're actually doing some really interesting things with the Hank Pym character for the first time in a while. And um, I love some robots, so check this out. Connor, uh, what you, this this was the end of Daredevil Dark Knights number three. Well, what'd you think? Uh, this, was, this was the end of the issue. This is issue three, the end of the three-issue arc from Lee Weeks. Next, we're getting David Lapham doing his, his story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I actually really loved this this arc. This was a short and sweet little throwback style Daredevil, written and drawn by Lee Weeks, who was a classic Daredevil artist back in the 90s. It was just a great little story about Daredevil trying to get a heart to a to a dying little girl and all, all the obstacles that are in his way, most notably the giant blizzard that is messing with his senses. I, I loved this much more than I thought I was going to love it going into it. I didn't know much about Lee Weeks as a writer, but I thought he really created a really nifty sort of beat-the-clock story where he has a, you know, a hero has to get somewhere in a certain amount of time, otherwise somebody dies, and there's a lot of obstacles in the way. And I just, I love the characterization of Daredevil. The art was fantastic. I loved everything about it. It was fantastic. I like how it just felt like it was some comic that we found from 20 years ago. Yeah. It was timeless. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Actually, 20 years ago. Let's go with 30 years ago. Well, then there's, there's no big supervillain. It's just Daredevil versus the environment. Yeah, the and villain is the snow. Just every, yeah, every page is just is beautiful. Yeah. Like a master class kind of thing. It's it was great. a really nice little surprise, and, and normally this kind of thing isn't isn't very good, but they really stepped up and did something great. I can't, um, I, I don't even understand why this exists in the Marvel of today. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't know other than Daredevil's popular, and getting the second Daredevil book. I guess. Fine, fine by me. It looks like Shocker's going to be in the next little arc. As Herman? Yes, Herman. Yes. Yeah. Manhattan Projects number 13. I just wanted to mention this because we haven't really talked about Manhattan Projects in a while. And this is, I guess, theoretically the start of a new arc. Don't start here. Um, <laughs> go, back and, go back and read the rest. Um, but it's, it's great. Oh, actually, if you, if you want to taste, if you want to see, like, how the hell did we get here? Um, I've read all the issues and I'm still, like, working out how did we get here. But It's true. Um, I love, I just, you know, it's, it's Albert Einstein is creepy as hell. Actually, the thing about this the thing that's so impressive about this is, you know, all of these real-life scientists, some more high-profile than others, come together, and they're each deeply disturbing in a completely different way than the last. Like, each one has their own way of being creepy. Yep. And that's, that's pretty interesting. But, uh, I mean, it starts off with Albert Einstein and, uh, and Fenneman going through and, and they're, they're, they're taking alien carcasses from another dimension, chopping them up. And their, their goal is to make the Ubermensch. They're doing, they're, they're, they're doing some eugenics. They're doing some, um, some noble eugenics. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will admit that it's a little creepy, but you got to embrace that creepiness because it's going to be worthwhile for the human race moving on. I feel like you're just. I don't think I realized how much eugenics there was in comics until Paul started doing the show on a regular basis. It's a yeah. surprise to me too. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they're they're all over the place. It's and, funny uh, because everybody seems to be upset about inherent sexism in comics, or <laughs> and it really it's really the eugenics that they're kind of sneaking through under our noses, and before we problem. know it. They've they've inured us all to it. Like we're all just like, oh, that's just eugenics. I can read a story in the newspaper that's vaguely eugenic. <laughs> and and I'm like, I don't make a big deal out of it. So when they take over with the mutant sheep, I think we're going to be in trouble. Perfect plan. Perfect plan. Last, I wanted to talk about the activity number 14. This is another one of those books that just sort of is is has been chugging along. Uh, I read it every uh, month. I really like it. I, I really enjoy watching the progression of Mitch Garrods uh, as an artist. And at the same time, I think that the Nathan Edmondson has this has this really specific military precision that he writes and he's nailed that feeling more than a lot of other comic book writers that i've noticed who've tried to do military books uh if if it isn't authentic it certainly feels very authentic i thought this was a nice story because i'm finally getting a feel for who some of the characters are and and there was like a couple of unexpected twists and things like that in this one and and sort of two spies have to sort of hook up and and they torture a dude but they torture him differently than you would think 
and it's a really nice character moment for the name of that one character whose name I don't remember. But besides that, uh, it's it's just it's a it's a good solid book, and it's it's definitely the best sort of military book that's that's on the stands right now. There's no thankfully there's no supernatural twist or zombie or vampire. Uh, it's just black ops team. You just wait till issue sixteen. I I I will tear down the heavens. Um, I'm actually excited. I'm going to send the, the trades to my cousin who, who's in the army, and because he's very discerning about how that stuff is portrayed in in stories, and uh, uh, I, it's all you know everything I've heard from from people who have critiqued the book and do have that background. I think a lot of people are saying that it's it's really authentic. Well, they take it they take it very seriously. Yeah. You know, these guys are visiting military installations and they're talking they're 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 consulting, you know, with with people who know this kind of stuff and you, you see it, you know, as they talk about the book sort of on the social networks and things like that, you know, like they want it like, like I said, I don't know if it is authentic, but it certainly feels authentic. It's I always the feel intent. like yeah. it's watching the Delta guys from Black Black uh, Black Hawk Down. It's what this book's about. It's those mm-hmm. dudes. And I, I well, as long as they get the details right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, it, you, can, you can have a sort of level of, of feigned uh, reality, I guess, as long as it feels real. But it's even better if it is. So let us know what your cousin thinks. I, wait a minute. Yeah. I snuck back on the call. Wow. And everyone at home breathes a sigh of relief. <laughs> I, I just saw my internet came back on, so I, I just joined, I joined, call, joined call, and I'm this back. Is, like, what kind of lower. operation is this? What is <laughs> It's this funny. used to happen with this used to happen with regularity in year one. But we we always hit, we always covered it up. We yeah. haven't hit that, that was, crucial four hundredth episode yet where we know <laughs> what we're doing. We used to record the entire show over something like this happened. Now forget it. <laughs> We've only got a window in which to record it now. What do the users <laughs> think this week? We like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the user, which you can do by going to fanboy.com/slash/comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books, and you can also designate your own pick of the week. And we'd like to run down the top five vote-getters at the time of recording, which has been dicey. I'll be honest. The recording's been dicey. <laughs> Here's the top five. Uh, before that, uh, number 10 was Quantum and Woody, number two, with 0.6%. So the, the pick of the week, or Josh's pick of the week, the iFanboy pick of the week, was ranked number 10. And number five, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number two, with 2.3% of the votes. Tied with that was Green Arrow, number 23, with 2.3% of the votes. Although slightly more... In the in the breakdown, so that's why it's four as opposed to five. Number three was all new X Men fifteen with two point nine percent of the votes. These numbers are low. You know where I'm going with this. Number two, the Superior Spider Man number fifteen with three point seven percent of the votes, and number one by a wide margin. We haven't had one of these in a while. Trillium number one with eighty one point one percent of the votes. The wow. Snyder Vaughn effect. Look at that. I feel like you should cut that in half because I only read <laughs> half the book. Listen, you, just because you're a dumbass. Man, I screwed over Lemire, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, this book felt really short. No, I, ca- I counted. It, the, the half that I read was uh, 15 pages. Yeah, I think it was a super. It so, was extra. Sure. you know, it's not that far off from a full DC book, so it must have been extra. All right, let's take a look at some of the individual user reviews. Holiday wrote about all new X-Men number 15. Story, 5 out of 5. Art, 5 out of 5. Pick of the Week percentage, 2.9%. I opened this issue and immediately thought, whoa, this sucks. I'm angry. (laughs) Then I read a few pages and thought, how cutesy. I'm cranky. A few pages more, Wolverine is upset. Maybe the story isn't so bad. Oh, hey, Staples, this is fun. Turn some pages. This is deep. And holy ramifications, a couple pages later, cheesy smile. Last page, my pick of the week. Whatever process Marvel has for picking fill-in artists, freaking nailed it with La Fuente. Perfect fit for another great issue by Bendis. Um, a lot of talk this week about people being put off by the La Fuente art. I don't uh, understand that. I don't understand either. either. I really don't. I was like, if you're like a, you know, a super imminent fan, like, and that's all you want, like... That's weird, but I mean, La Fuente is perfect for this issue. What's yes. funny is that Eminem's not even that. I don't. I, I don't tend to think of him as that mainstream because he can. He's, it's not that far off. Like it isn't. And in fact, I didn't notice it. I was at the end, and I was like, "Wait a minute, this isn't Marquez or." or and I looked, and I was like, "Oh, La Fuente, that's great." It's very it's, close to Marquez in style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was great. He, you know, he used to write with Bendis for Ultimate Spider-Man, very similar in tone. Very teen romance. See, this was a teen romance issue. I, I, art aside, I loved this issue because it was the classic Calm Before the Storm issue where the, the last big arc ended. The next big arc, which is literally the big crossover, begins the next, next issue. And so in this issue, we just got to hang out with the cast as they 
dated and made out and went you know went to the fair and you know people's people's feelings were revealed by accident and it was the sort of the great classic you know one and done story that you know gets lets you breathe a little before the next big story happens it, it and, felt like all the things that are great about ultimate spider-man yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I i you know like you, you got to give it to bendis is completely and utterly delivered on this series yeah mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. really good and i think among us it's been overshadowed by thor yeah to a certain extent but you know i, I can't believe that i'm still reading this book as happily as i am it was sort of like an experiment, I and mean, he was like, "I'll try out some X Men. This looks like yeah. a good place to start." And, I'm not reading uh, the other one. I'm reading this one. Which I'm, re- I'm reading both. I'm enjoying which both. Is the but same I, thing yeah. that happened with the Avengers. But I think this is much stronger. Um, yeah. yeah, Good cool. stuff. Uh, next up, Todd Frazier, who used his real name and we don't know that. Yeah, well, that's true. Maybe that's a basketball player from the '70s. That'd be Walt Frazier. Satellite Sam number two gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. Uh, pick of the week percentage was one tenth of a percent. The first issue was pick of the week. You may remember. Yep. Uh, second installment does not disappoint, nor does it slow down the pace of this fantastic book. Both art and story are a testament to the excellent craftsman in panel storytelling. Satellite Sam is the love baby of newsroom and madmen, drinking identity issues and live TV. What a perfect child in the hands of amazing spinsters of fantastic, sexy, and cliffhanger drama that would make Don Draper and Roger Sterling fans of this book. This is the perfect pitch well done. Uh, I think there's, there's a very heavy murder element to it, so I think there's a the newsroom and madmen plus another thing that has murder in it. But uh, I really, I really enjoyed hour? this a lot. Murder, she wrote. Murder, she wrote. There you go. Jessica Fletcherisms. Um, I, I like this a lot. It's it's a very much you know it's a long game book. You were I, talking about it earlier about how you know like uh, Planet of the Apes was a, a book a series yeah. where not every issue is going to blow you away, but it's going to tell uh, this, the pieces the, the some of the pieces will be greater than the individual pieces. And this right. is, I think this is what to be with Satellite Sam. I think this was more. Uh, it's just, it, it wasn't as blow you away as the first issue because that had all the production stuff that was super hype fast and it was you know this had to get down to telling the story and letting us know the people um but i i came out of this as uh, like a full-on like i totally get howard jakin yeah. yeah like i think this is this is gorgeous this is the best art that i saw this week i thought this was the only the only problem i had and luckily enough they had the cast in the beginning which yep that was helpful. more of these books needed because i often had to flip back to who, who is this guy like is this it's like, also funny because there's like three characters even in the character in the, the dra- dramatist persona they look exactly the same it's like the same guy just yeah. tilted aged, his head at a different angle. the same guy aged five yeah. years like right They've got the same hair and same mustache, um, so I had to keep going back. Which is almost like a commentary, you know, like of, of the times, like all these guys looked exactly the same. Like it's I mean, like they, they all did. kind like, of look like a potato, and you know, it's it's, it's true. Like it's hard to it's hard to deny that. Really, I am. I'm just I'm head over heels in love with this book. I just I love that it's black and white. Um, I just I love that it's this crazy huge cast of characters, and they're all kind of despicable. All and, of his uh, little pinup girls look amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like his little the little shots in the in the pictures that aren't even in it, but they're so good. Mm-hmm. It's a really good book. So you go to ifanboy.com slash comics, you can rate and review your books. You can choose your own pick of the week and you can write a user review and if it's good, we get it on the show. Uh, now let's do some audience questions. And now that I'm back on the show, Connor, properly, you sound amazing. People. I know. <laughs> you sound so good. Sounds and like, it, like people like, at yeah. home were like, eh, I'm putting up with it. Now they're happy. They're happier now than they would have been if you'd been you know, just to find the whole time. That's what I, I, I was like. I, I don't know. He phone. sounded really sexy when he was on the phone. <laughs> now he just sounds like a normal person. Somebody's like, he sounds like that guy who calls my house. <laughs> <laughs> Keith from Reno, Nevada, wrote us an email. And he says, "What are you doing in the, the other room?" Sorry. Given the meteoric rise of writers like Jason Aaron, Jonathan Hickman, and Rick Remender at Marvel, and to a lesser degree Scott Snyder, DC. I would say lesser degree. He pretty much meteorically <laughs> rose. His, listen, his rankings are a little off, but uh, 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 the the question has valid. Okay. Why do some writers seem eternally relegated to the B-list? Writers like Greg Pak, Jeff Parker, and Fred L- Van Lente are, or at least were, producing some of the best books around with stuff like Red She-Hulk, Dark Avengers, and Hercules. However, they never seem to be brought up to the major titles. Are they simply not pitching higher-profile work? Hmm. Are the low sales of some of their works held against them? Is their lighthearted style viewed as incompatible with top-tier books? Greg Pak is now on one of the top-selling books at DC. Yeah, and but... And really, he's been taking over action comics. So. Up until just, recently, uh, he has sort of been in the, in the sort of like the mid-pack book. No, and I think he never would have broken out of the mid-pack at Marvel because Marvel's so top-heavy with well, writers. But now he's yeah. over at DC and he's he's been given uh, two of their top four, two of the top five books they've got. It's uh, it's interesting because there are a lot of factors at play. I think that people don't necessarily think about. There's also a lot of speculation in the same thing. There is, and I will be speculating some, but some of it will be uh, uncorroborated things I know or 
think I know. Uh, but you know, one of the things really it has to do with sales more than anything else. If you take one of those mid-tier books and you turn it into a big seller, like Rick Remender did with Uncanny X Force, they're going to look at you differently. Yeah. Uh, if uh, you know Jeff Parker is is literally one of my favorite writers in comics, yeah. but he does a certain tone of book that for some reason doesn't appeal to the, the giant audience. Yeah. Which, by the way, I am not the giant. I'm, I don't like the same thing they do. It. I know we that. we love him. We you know yeah. we, we talked to him about a while how we'd love if he would ever do. He should join Pack over there and do a Superman. He with should. Him, but. He should. Um, at the same time, by the way, Scott Snyder is bigger than uh, all those guys. Uh, stuff that well, him he's sort of equal with uh, Hickman and Aaron. And Remender's really yeah. only stepped up to that level sort of recently. And then Bendis is above all you know all of the, in sort of well, sales wise, Snyder's got two of the top top yeah. five books in all of comics so yeah. he'd be probably t- on top of the list of yeah, all he's, he's he's a big deal so and and you know the reason he got there was because his his you know his book sold and they they gave him a chance with that stuff and he was somebody exciting that they have so it's a it's a little of everything but it's a mix of what they think they can sell uh and and you know what they think they can sell on on a name and and at marvel that shit is entrenched like they've got they've their, got so many of those guys. They've got their quote unquote architects, although I think they've abandoned that. But that was basically their way of saying these are the people who are going to handle all this stuff. And there's little, there's sort of horse racing and trading that goes on in between there. And some people sort of move into favor and move out. But it's been pretty steady for a long time. Uh, you know, Bendis is at the head of that table, and then you know Hickman is is right behind him, and Jason Aaron now, and you know that's that's the way it Fraction, is. Fraction, Remender, yeah. all those guys. Yeah. Until something, cha- and then slot with his Spider Man kingdom. Yeah. And then, uh, and that's that's doesn't. It's not going to change unless something changes, basically. And then there's all sorts of other stuff going on that have to do with politics and things that you don't know, and and snubs and <laughs> like stuff that stuff that you have no idea that would make that make some people angry. Well, we're not hiring that guy anymore. That you they have a big Stannis Baratheon table. Yes, with <laughs> little fiefdoms in it, and then they also have a Battlestar Galactica table where they push around the pawns and stuff. With the what I've heard is that when you go in for a meeting with an editor, they immediately ask you how you feel about eugenics, and yeah. if you answer incorrectly, you go off the table. But what is correctly and what is incorrectly? That yeah, is the question, isn't have it? The, the power to yeah. give that information out. Yeah, right. That's a good idea. Um, yeah, it's money. <laughs> so there's a lot. There's just a lot of things. There's a yeah. lot of reasons why. Okay, Neil Gaiman writes. Well, it oh, could be. Hello. It's uh, or just Neil. Uh, so I recently got laid off of work. It's funnier now that it's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> it's not funny um, at all for Neil, but no, it isn't. But I'm. Trying it can also be fun if you move the punctuation around this end. So I recently got laid off of work, which sucks because now I have to limit my comic book spending. This is. I'm reading so many. Thing is, I'm reading so many book. Uh, so many, yeah. So wow. many good titles. Yeah, I'm having a problem. Um, it's, there there it's are my... no commas. Thing <laughs> is, I'm reading so many good titles. It's hard to drop any one or two books. I'm reading Saga, All New X Men, Uncanny X Men, X Men, Jupiter's Legacy, The Wake, Batman, Daredevil, Bloodshot, Exo Man of War, Archer and Armstrong, etc. My question to you guys is: Have you been faced with a similar situation where you guys got laid off? or fired from previous jobs and had to cut a few good books out of your pull list. Personally, it's heartbreaking to drop the books I'm reading. No. No. Well, I've, been laid, I've been laid off twice in my life. Neither time I really had to do that. Yeah, but the, the thing that's important here to remember is that, okay, say, let's go, let's say it's 2008, and Connor and I decide <laughs> to take a massive pay cut uh, to do something that you guys who are listening may be familiar with. In our unique instance, we would have normally had to cut books, but yeah. it happened that that was right about when we started getting them for free, right? which was helpful. Um, but yeah. the, the, the point is, yes, totally understand. It's, it's a tough economy. Books keep getting more expensive, and sometimes it's hard to justify that. You're spending 3 or $4 for what equates to a few minutes of entertainment, and if you've got a family or you know whatever – it, 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 it's a to- it's totally a thing, and there's all sorts of things that you can do. Uh, one is to drop books. Another is to look at sort of doing it differently than you're than you're doing now. Uh, do they they still don't do the price drops. Uh, uh, the DC does, but they push them back a month, so now it's yeah. two months after release. Marvel doesn't do them at all for digital. We're talking about digitally. Has, there's also like he you has can go no to DC D- books. You can go to DCBS and order them. That no, he's got Batman in the wake on there. Oh yeah. Um, you can go to DCBS and order your books online. They, I think they do like 40% off the cover price. I mean, there's, there's things you can do rather than go to your lo- store every Wednesday and pay full cover price and that kind of thing. Uh, I think or, our, 
our own Jeff Reed is, is like six or seven or eight months behind everyone else is still having a blast because he's just doing it at his own time. And so it's like our, our, our relationship is sort of like the lake house. Um, <laughs> he's, he's living eight months and then, and then he gets to comment on those. And, Which one of you is Keanu Reeves? Um, we both are. Oh, well, that makes sense. Eugenics. <laughs> um, so, no, it sucks, Neil, and I'm sorry. Uh, when I got laid off before this first time when I was 22 and, and, uh, and wasn't doing our fanboy full-time like we did the second time, uh, I just kept buying them and just ran up credit card debt, which took me a long time to pay off. So I don't suggest doing that. No, I, no I, it's true. And it, it's, it's important to remember, like, this stuff's all going to be here, and in the future it'll be cheaper. So yeah. it's not necessarily worth it to you know stay current if it's going to break you. But there's there's a way to get comics. That sounds like I'm telling you to steal them. I'm not. But there's 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 ways to there's different ways to make it more affordable. Uh, you know, if you, you want to read stuff right away and stay with it, there's there's some things that you can do that with. Trade weight and get them off Amazon. Yeah, you know, like some of that some of that image stuff. You know, that's that's those are minis. That's fine. Wait, you know, wait on that. They those first trades come out. They're ten bucks for you know five six issues. That's always you know a good deal. I found that it's it's apparently harder to trade weight on on Marvel stuff because there's a smaller issue count in some of those hardcovers, mm-hmm. and they're kind of expensive. Yeah. So look at so look at that. Look at what it's what the price is now, and maybe look at what the price is going to be in the collection, and figure out. If there's something that makes more sense to be buying an issue than to buying in collection and, and the other way around. Yeah. Sell some stuff. Fund your comics for a month. You know? Set yeah. aside a different bit of money for that. It sucks and we're sorry. That that really is uh that is no fun. And here we are gonna spoil the books for you, you every week. You could take a lesson from Phil Connors and what you do is you go to a small Pennsylvania town and you hang out there for like a thousand days, scope out the way they deliver the money to the banks, and grab a bag. Just grab one. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? What is he? Oh, wait. Okay, no. All oh, right. So I was like, is Phil Connors a baseball player? <laughs> Just do that. Ned? <laughs> Ned Punch. Ryerson. You can email us at contact.fanboy.com or call our voice my line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. In both instances, tell us your name and where you're from. It's always more fun. And if you are Neil Gaiman, then... You should have saved some of that Sandman money. Boy, he just... Talk to your editors. You should be able to get some comments. I feel like <laughs> someone will pay you to write something. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Paul, we got some shows coming out? We had some shows. Well, we, we did a special edition on the, the Justice League Flashpoint Paradox movie. Uh, made some people mad. I heard that was fiery. Yeah. Uh, this is so what you... happens. I go on vacation and everything falls apart. Neesman brought the fire. So there's that, and then there's also the the Wolverine, which we liked more than we didn't. Even without a jacket. Even without a jacket. Yeah. I gotta no tell jacket. you. Wait a minute, I haven't seen it yet. Don't don't spoil the jacket for Look, me. There's no jacket, oh, okay? okay? There's, you there's don't need no to go in there thinking there's going to be a jacket. And I was like, I know there's, no there's I know there's going to be like a mid credit sequence. Maybe that's going to be the jacket. Now it's, it's some it should have been. I, I know that much. But I, uh, thanks to uh, to my friend Dave and uh, and Brett for for joining us uh, on that show. Uh, and filling in because nobody wanted because, to go see the Wolverine. Because because Connor and I couldn't be bothered. Right. No, I was on vacation. <laughs> no, I would definitely have gone see I, I look forward I to your thoughts on that that one though. Next we have coming up Kick Ass Two next week, and I think we'll probably have another show on that. Oh, well, uh, yeah. stay tuned. I can't do it. I love the first one. That one, one of my I favorite. Know, but I couldn't even read the book after that. Pass. So, we'll yeah. see. Do it by yourself. Oh my God, I want to listen to that. Maybe I will. I Maybe almost, I will. I was almost going to do that with the Wolverine. I wish you had. <laughs> Do voices. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're the is... only person in your 20s making sequences <laughs> references. <laughs> Two things are at play here. One, it's really hot in the Northeast where Josh and Paul are, and they're both going slowly, <laughs> slowly crazy. Two, I've been holding microphones, phones, uh, earbuds, running around trying to find signal in my apartment, and so we're, we're all fed up. We're going to be cut off now. You have pants on? Um, I, <laughs> that's I, a great I, gag for the end that we blew did you hear that pause where I looked down that's because I didn't know for sure <laughs> that's where I'm at today so in the meantime <laughs> go to fanboy.com where you can read Josh's pick of the week review and more in depth comic book discussion all the important news and discussion topics are happening you got opinion columns that make people angry all kinds of things that are happening at fanboy.com and you can follow our social network links by going to fanboy.com slash about and finding our staff listings where everybody's social network links are, are there and you can follow us on Twitter.com slash iFanboy at Facebook.com slash iFanboy. There's a really weird noise happening somewhere outside that I don't know what it is. 
Okay. Uh, you, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com and, and please do and send us in some stuff for the, the episode 400 show. We're going to read a bunch of your, oh, right. uh, that bunch of your emails. Yeah, so let's, we're let's, going let's to... Let's circle back to that. So if you... This is episode what? 398? So yeah. two weeks is episode 400. So three or four of you send in some decent emails we can use next week and don't put 400 in the, in the subject <laughs> That's line. That's an issue. And then I'm the gonna, rest of you... The rest of you send in, you know, and yeah. Put 400 in the subject line. That way we know you went for episode 400. We're going to do those on the show, an extra long email show. So send those in to celebrate the 400th episode. And there's been a bunch of good ones. A couple of obnoxious ones. You can send in duplicates if you want. <laughs> so I like how all the walls are down. Par for the course. <laughs> Some of you were irritating. There it is. <laughs> Uh, if you like us, you could. Rent. Oh, I'm sorry. Know. And also, if you want to leave a voicemail, that's one eight 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 fanboys. That's three two six two six nine seven. With any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. But save those good questions for the emails because the thing we just talked about. Right. That's true. Regardless of the fact that we find some of you obnoxious, and I'm sure some of you find some of us obnoxious, so it's you know zero sum game. Uh, you could write us a review on iTunes. You could go over there, and mark down in the box, and check the the five stars or the two stars, whatever star you think is appropriate for us. I mean, this week, two and a half, maybe. Let's be honest. Let's be generous. Let's be generous. Two and a half. Can't get their shit together, technically. Uh, <laughs> seem to have resentment for each other and audience. <laughs> and weather and the desk. And one of them wasn't wearing pants, and I found that discomforting. <laughs> <laughs> Sexier phone voice than regular voice. <laughs> what happened there should always do show with phone <laughs> it's so humid uh, or you can tell your friends about the podcast about the website edit uh, points obvious yeah <laughs> i, I want to be one of those shows that said make sure you cut that out and then don't actually no no you don't do want to do that again i know i know we actually don't it's fine i was listening to something today and it was like so we'll edit that out and they didn't See, what happened here is that we've gone from 2.5 now to 1.5, just with that last 10 seconds. Oh, the laughter carried us over. The man behind the curtain is is waving glow sticks and blowing into a kazoo. <laughs> the man behind the curtain's at a rave? <laughs> That's rave music in my head, apparently. <laughs> Somebody sample that and turn it into a... Mu- there we go. Uh, anyway, if you tell other people about the show, however you do it, really appreciate it. There you go. Done. Oh boy. Uh, well, next week Josh will be gone on vacation. I'm, I'm clearly mis- gone right now. Mysterious new co-host, and then we'll be all be back. Three of us for episode 402 weeks. So don't forget to send those emails in. Until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Paul, and I'm Josh. Didn't make it at all. Eight years. Look me in the eye and tell me you don't find me attractive. Look me in the heart and tell me. Look me in the eye and promise no love is like I love. Look me in the heart and I'm broken. the fan that's on in here no thank god because if i shut it off i'll die <laughs> i guess the, t- the temperate weather didn't last we had like two or three weeks of it it's muggy as hell really here not, yeah we, we it's just been raining all day so as soon as the rain stops and it's i just leaned onto my desk with my elbows and i'm attached to my desk <laughs> um gross gross